again, good morning to everyone, and uh, for the benefit of our guests who may not know this, there's a gold sheet in your service folder that you are very much welcome to, to take out right now if you'd like and to use as uh, you follow along with our, our sermon study. We're in uh, the third week of this series on time, and um, if you recall, um, we started uh, three weeks ago um, talking about a question that we most often ask about time. It's one that probably comes up 20 or 30 times uh, a day maybe, and uh, maybe even a couple times during church on Sunday. Uh, the question is, what time is it? And that's a good question. You need to be on time for things if you're a responsible adult. But my hope through this series is that we begin to ask a different question just as much. Not what time is it, but what am I doing with the time that I have? That a more foundational, a better biblical question is not just, you know, what time of day is it, but what am I doing with this time or this time of my day? So this week, um, we're going to start with a little bit of a group participation question because I know how much you love them, um, but it does allow you to get your brain going a little bit. In just a moment, I'd like you to uh, turn to someone who's not related to you and to fill in this blank. I'll be happy when... Now, as you're thinking about that, I know there are probably some answers to that question that are, are so personal and close to the heart that um, there's no way you're going to share it with some person who just happens to be sitting with, next to you at church, right? Um, and that's okay. I'm not asking you to uh, share something that close and personal. So instead, maybe it's something more lighthearted, something that more gets to your personality, maybe. Um, something easier that you feel will give you a little more joy than you have right now. Like, as an example, I'll be happy when the Vikings win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I got some laughs about that last service, too. Well, they really didn't intend that, but, or I'll be happy when my husband finally cleans out the garage or something like that. So it doesn't have to be so close to the vest, but if you could share something that you feel will give you a little more happiness than you do right now with someone sitting near you that's not related to you, it'll take about 30 seconds for this, all right? Go ahead, go. I'll be happy when... <laughs> About 10 seconds or so. Thank you. Thank you. As I mentioned, uh, this was meant to be more lighthearted. Um, but if I could transition maybe a little bit to something uh, more serious, uh, there, there are things like this that you fill in the blank that is um, not so easy, that aren't so light. 
And some of us, maybe right now, are, are really struggling with an answer to that question. And in a lot of ways, you find a lot of difficulty finding happiness right now until that serious answer gets filled in. Like, I'll be happy, I'm not going to be happy until I go to college and get out of the house. Or, um, I'm not going to be happy until I find a job and start my career and, 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 and make a better income. Or, I'm not going to be happy until I get married. Or, I'm not going to be happy until I, I buy my own house. Or, I'm not going to be happy until I have kids or uh, until uh, the kids are out of the house, or uh, until I'm retired, or until I get healthy, or until things slow down. And guess what happens? And we all go through this a little bit. That at times we are so busy waiting to be happy, or waiting to really live the life we want, that in the meantime, today, we sort of waste the time that God has given us being happy today because we're so busy waiting to be happy in the future. Now, there's an opposite corollary to this. There are so, some people, maybe, and us too at times, that are, are so focused on what was and how great things were that we have a hard time living in the moment. Some of you know that while I was at seminary, we... Uh, I worked for a lady who owned 65 acres right on Lake Michigan in one of the most uh, prestigious suburbs in the in Milwaukee area. And, and her property was amazing. Um, she had a tennis court, she had a swimming pool, and a pool house, and a game room, and changing rooms for the pool house, and, and this magnificent view of Lake Michigan that could have been the ocean for that matter, because all you saw was water. But the thing that made this even the most unique that I had experienced, place that I had experienced, was that it was almost like a movie set. Because she just let things go. It was built in the 40s, and she didn't want people to trip back the vines, fix things. She lived in 2003, 2002, but in a very real way, she was still living back in the 1940s. She, she didn't want to let go of how things used to be. Here's what Christian philosopher Blaise Pascal wrote. Many of us live in the past, reflecting on a season that we have already been through, either regretting the things we should have done or reminiscing about the things we shouldn't have done. Or some of us live in the future, planning, anticipating, and expecting that someday things will be good and I will be happy and I will have a good time. Here's what Pascal is saying. Sometimes we get so busy romanticizing or living in the past that high school sports career or how I used to look or what I used to do or where we used to live or how our lives used to be that at the very same moment, people sinfully squander 
the time that they've been given right now in this moment with the things that God has given them today. In the same way, some people, as we talked, are so busy waiting to be happy, waiting for life to begin, that in the same way they squander life, we squander life right now, not living the moment or the time God has given us today because we're waiting for life to really begin. And I'm sure there's pushback to this. We all have our story, right? If you only knew how wonderful it used to be, or if you only knew what I'm going through right now, and the truth is I probably don't know. But that's okay because I didn't write Ecclesiastes. The one who does know wrote it. And today we get to turn to his encouragement and strength for joy in every season. And I know many of you maybe weren't here last week, so let me do a quick review. Um, King Solomon, one of the wisest, most powerful people who ever lived, he spent a good portion of his life trying to answer this question. What's the point of life? How should I use my time? And he took all of that research and all of that experimenting with life, and he wrote down his answers. He wrote down by God's inspiration all of what he found in this book called Ecclesiastes. Now, this week we're turning to probably the most famous section of Ecclesiastes. In fact, even if you've never been to church before or opened the Bible, you've probably heard these words, especially if you're in your 40s or 50s or older, because there is this hippie rock group named the Birds who ripped Solomon off stole his words, stole God's words, and wrote a song, actually they didn't write it again, Solomon did, called Turn, Turn, Turn. In fact, if you're 50 or older, you're going to have a hard time listening to these words without humming a melody, okay? You've heard these before. We turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I'm not going to sing. I might hum, but not going to sing. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. (laughs) See, that's the song. A time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, there's a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search. There's a time to give up. A time to keep. A time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and there's a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. As you noticed, these eight verses are filled with a whole bunch of opposites. Each verse filled with two things that are the exact opposite of each other. And I suppose as we go down this list, our initial reaction is to kind of rank the ones we like and to almost choose this or use this list as like some sort of a buffet, choosing the things that we like and maybe leaving off our plate the things that we don't. Um, I'll take some laughing and loving and embracing and, you know, some of that other stuff, not so much. Um, A time for, uh, 
a time to tear down, I'll take some building up instead. Uh, a time to weep and a time to laugh. Uh, how about uh, I laugh as so much that it makes me weep? Uh, I'll take that. Um, a time to mourn and a time to dance. I'll, I'll take dancing because I really learned to break dance in the 80s, but if it's the Macarena or the chicken dance, then no, no dancing for me. Um, a time to scatter and a time to gather. I'll take the gathering. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. I'll, I'll take the embrace. A time to love and a time to hate. I prefer love. A time for war, a time for peace. I choose peace. And we mentally go through a list like this and we might even think about our lives and it's easy to pick the ones we like off the list and try to forget about the other ones. But the problem is is that this isn't a list to use like a buffet. We don't get to choose the seasons in our life, do we? Solomon shares these words with us because through his research and through his time in life, here's what he found and here's what God says, that every one of our lives are filled with all these things. Every single one of our lives will have these seasons, opposite seasons, good and bad. Some seasons, some good seasons are shorter for you than they are for others. Some bad seasons are shorter for you than there are for others. But every life, if you've lived long enough, is filled with these. Um, there's a time for birth. And there's a time for death. There's a time for dancing and enjoyment, and there's time and season in life for mourning and for crying. There's a time for embracing, and there's a time to stay away. And there's a time for love, and when it comes to sin, there's a time to, to hate, to hate sin. And it's easy to get upset at times with the, the season that maybe we're in that we don't like. And, and it's easy to, to want seasons to change. But there's a, a purpose and a point to all of this that Solomon is saying. These things don't just happen randomly. The season you're going in is not by accident. Listen to what Solomon says next. Uh, this wasn't part of the bird song, so this might be new to you. Verse 9. What does the worker gain from his toil? Um, that is, what's the point of all these difficult seasons, the difficult ones? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. And then Solomon shares this beautiful statement that I don't want you to miss, a beautiful statement that makes sense out of senselessness in life. He says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. Do you understand what Solomon is saying here? Here's what he's saying. There is a purpose to every season, whether good or bad, whether you love it or you wish it would change, there is a purpose to every season that we endure. What Solomon is saying is that there is a plan, and you may not understand the plan right at the moment, but God makes everything beautiful. That means he works it out in its time, in his 
time. There's a purpose for dancing. There's a purpose for seasons of weeping. There's a, a purpose for seasons of happiness. And God has a purpose. We've all gone through it for seasons of great disappointment and difficulty. There's a purpose for silence and planting and loving, but he also has an eternal purpose for seasons of speaking and uprooting and hating. And sometimes we don't see it, do we? Sometimes we don't always understand, how could there be a purpose for this season that I'm in? I just don't get it, Lord. But Solomon continues, and he shares that God's perspective is a little bit different. He has set, God has, eternity in the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Here's the thing about God and us. We see things in two very different ways. You see things from beginning to end when it comes to your life and your death, right? And maybe it's even shorter than that. From the beginning of your day to the end of your day and how you feel in that moment. God sees and when he works according to beginning to end, he works from eternity to to eternity. And sometimes beautiful in its time is not on the timetable that we were hoping it would be. Sometimes God makes things beautiful 10 years from now. Sometimes God makes things beautiful and in its time is 30 years from now. Sometimes God makes it beautiful not in your lifetime but maybe in the next generation as they see what grandma or grandpa endured or went through or how they handled things or the challenges that they faced. But it will be beautiful in its time, God says. Some of you maybe have heard this illustration before, um, but it's kind of like one of those uh, cross-stitch projects that maybe some of you um, have done before. And if you've done something like this, when you're underneath the cross-stitch or behind, the, behind it, um, not so beautiful, is it? Uh, there's string going this way and string going that way. Sometimes you can't even really notice that there is a pattern at all, and there's knots over here and knots over there. And sometimes you even put a whole bunch of tape on the back, right? I mean, you would never display that side on the wall, right? But when you're above it, when you have the different perspective, when you're above the cross stitch, you see that there's a beautiful picture. There's a, a beautiful scene that's being weaved, woven, even through what from under the cross stitch doesn't look so beautiful. When you're above it, you see, oh yeah, that's why a knot needed to be there. Because we're changing colors there. Or, or, or that's why a string needed to be pulled over here. And as you might see where I'm going, God's view is above the cross stitch. God views our lives above, and, and we sometimes are just left to, to not see the big picture, 
we're left looking from behind. The things of God don't always look beautiful in the moment. And I don't know if there's any better example of this than with your salvation story. How beautiful was the work of your salvation at the time? Here's what Isaiah wrote about uh, Jesus in the Old Testament. He, He wrote this. Jesus had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Not a lot of beauty in the story of our salvation. It wasn't so beautiful that Jesus was born to really poor parents. Not so beautiful to be born in a stable. Not so beautiful to have very little at all. Fast forward in his life, not so beautiful for Jesus as uh, most of the influential, the, the, the powerful, the rich people, they hated Jesus. They didn't like him at all. There were times in Jesus' life where he didn't even have a place to sleep, the Bible says. Fast forward to the end of his life. How beautiful is it? How beautiful from outward perspective, from under the cross stitch, is Jesus in his last day? How, much of you, how many of you enjoyed beautifully watching, let's say, the movie Passion of the Christ? Not so beautiful, is it? Blood on your face, getting beaten and bruised and hurt and crucified and dying. Mean, there is not a lot of beauty there from below. But from above, from God's perspective, and now from ours, we know that he had to die, that he had to humble himself. And that while it wasn't beautiful in the moment, it is beautiful today. It wasn't beautiful in the moment, but as Jesus today calls you his children because of what he has done, it is beautiful in its time. God has made things beautiful in his time, beautiful from beginning to end. We don't get to always choose the seasons of our lives. And that's probably good. Because if we could, guess what we would do? If we could choose them, we would choose all the good seasons. We would choose all the happy ones. And all the ones that hurt or sting or stretch us, we wouldn't choose them, would we? And guess what would happen? You know what happens for people who never go through pain? They become pretty self-absorbed. They forget what's really important. You know what happens to people who never have a disappointment? become pretty arrogant. You know what happens for people who never mourn? We're never forced to really consider the big picture and that life is short, but eternity lasts forever. And so God loves you too much to let you choose your seasons. But instead, he chooses them for you. He decides the ingredients of your life, and then he makes them beautiful in their time. See, I've never known anyone who just loves to eat flour. Like, you know, go to the restaurant, give me a big bowl of flour. 
I'm really hungry. But I do know a lot of people that love cake, right? And the thing is, you, you can't enjoy cake if there's no flour, right? And so God does have a plan. And he is making things beautiful. So now what about the time or the season you're in right now? What does God say about the season that he's going to use, whether good or bad, right now that you're in? Well, let's close with his direction. Verse 12. With all that as a backdrop, I know there is nothing better for men, for people, than to be happy and to do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction, find happiness in this season, in all their toil. This is a gift of God. What does Solomon say that you should do with your time? Because we have the propensity to want to not be happy until something happens or really reminisce about how great the past was and forget about today. What does God say, no matter what season it is, that you should do today? Be happy. Enjoy this day. Don't waste it. Enjoy the season, whether great or not so great, that you're in right now. And yes, you can pray for a difficult or challenging season to change. Turn, 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 right? But until it does, until God answers that prayer, Solomon says, enjoy today because God still reigns and God will make this day beautiful in its time. So kids, you know what that means for you? Don't waste all your time wishing you were an adult. Enjoy being a kid. Enjoy recess. And school, even. Enjoy homework. And enjoy the fact, as I mentioned earlier, that food just kind of shows up on the table. I don't know how, it just kind of gets there. Enjoy this season. And if you're a single person, I know that it's not easy being single in some ways. But enjoy the season you're in, Solomon is saying. Enjoy the freedoms that, that can come with being single and, and with some of the things and opportunities you have to serve, Lord, serve the Lord in being single that are harder when you're not. Enjoy and live to the glory of God your single years. And if you're a family who, who don't have kids yet, enjoy the season that you're in. And realize that there is a true significance to this season. Because you don't choose them. God does. There's a very great significance and opportunity in the season you're in right now. And parents, enjoy the season that you're in. Don't waste your time Wishing the kids were older. Just a little bit older, it'll get better. Enjoy this season. Dads, get down on the floor and play dolls with your little girls. And get down on the floor and wrestle with your sons. And instead of getting disgusted and upset, as sometimes maybe I do, with the fact that I, I can't even enjoy a peaceful, quiet supper because there's so much talking going on, enjoy it! Because it won't always be there. 
enjoy how hard it is to get everyone to bed because it won't always be there. And when the kids are older and become adults, don't spend all your time, oh, life was so much better when, oh, there's good things about it. But enjoy the season you're in now. Enjoy the fact that you can have adult conversations with your kids and the specialness that comes with that. Enjoy the fact that you can spoil your grandkids and then give them back to your kids and have a good night's sleep while they're up all night with the kids. <laughs> enjoy the season that you're in. That's what Solomon's saying. It may be a good one, it may be a bad one, but God's still in control. God still reigns, and he makes everything beautiful in its time. I know when my parents lived very close, I could uh, very much take for granted being with them. And uh, there were times where we'd get together, let's say, for the weekend, and I would just have some dumb thing that would, you know, sort of take me away from really being happy in the moment. Now when I'm together with them, because it only happens so little, um, I'm truly there. I'm present in the moment. I don't want to waste it. That's what God is saying about today. Don't waste it. Enjoy it. You're forgiven children of God. You have heaven coming. And yes, there's challenges and there's difficulties. But live today to God's glory. That's what you can do with your time. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, it's so easy for us to wish and want things about our life. And it's okay to pray about those things, Lord. And, and I pray that we do. But at the same time, I'd ask you to give us today an extra amount of your encouragement and also um, your wisdom that we might find happiness and joy in whatever season we're in right now. If it's a difficult one, we pray, make it better. But until you do, help us to find purpose and satisfaction in the blessings of today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.